What's up, Spell Singers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagi. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. Welcome back, guys. Today we're going to be talking about the color red. This will be the fourth episode in our Color Wheel series. My favorite color. But before that, let's get into the beers. So, so on theme, we all got some red beers with the caveat of Drew's beer. It has a very prominently red label. <laughs> it's a big old the red bottle. bottle. Red, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. You'll see it in, in the pictures, whether on Instagram or just on the video. Uh, we've got the Rogue Double Chocolate Stout. This is stout brewed with natural flavor. Uh, it has 9% ABV, 60 IBU, so it's a bit more bitter than what you'd normally see. At least for the beers that we generally drink. Yeah, I don't think I've had a lot of rogue beers. I've had was it Arrogant Bastard? Yeah, we've had Arrogant Bastard. That one I really uh, we've had the the Lemon Chiffon IPA. That's the one, the pink bottle, I believe. Okay. Um, but I'm looking forward to this one. Gary showed me a picture of this one a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, look what I got for this one." I said, "Dibs." <laughs> yep. There's there's no second. A lot guessing. of good stuff going yeah. on. I was like, "Do you guys want to do this for red?" And Drew's like, "Let's shoot red tonight." <laughs> Coming over. <laughs> Ooh, that's nice. Uh, the bitterness is definitely kind of up front with this one. They're not fucking around. Uh, think just a nice dark chocolate is what I'm getting off of this one. Um, kind of a light coffee vibe from the malts. Nice bitterness to it. Oh, that is uh, a more complex stout than what I thought it was going to be. I honestly thought it was just going to be super heavy chocolate and kind of be one note. But the the bitterness really kind of carries through the entire drink and it adds a little more depth to it. Yeah, it's chocolate up front. First off, party in the back. Party, party, a little bitter in the back. Think of like 70% bitterness chocolate, like 70% cocoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a baking cocoa. Yeah. Just regular cocoa powder. Oh, yeah, it's definitely super, super chocolatey. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a little little lingering in the back. Yeah, it tastes just like eating dark chocolate. (laughs) Second swallow, yeah. Like, there's a cake that uses beer in it, as I think it's just like the, the yeast element to it. Uh, and you replace the, the water. Yeah. And so I think this would be this amazing would be with it. Awesome. <laughs> We're going to do it. We'll find out what that beer is oh, or yeah, what that really cake good. is. Really good. All right. And today I am going to be rocking the Upslope Brewing Company from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, it's a limited release blood orange Saison. So this Ooh. one, uh, also a red can, but I like the blood orange. We're fitting in our theme a little bit better. This is 6.0 ABV. I can't find the IBUs, um, but being as it's a Saison, I can't imagine it's crazy bitter. Oh, yeah. Just like most Saisons, it's got that kind of funky, <laughs> I almost said mildewy, but kind of like fungusy uh, back end. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty good. It's fruity, but not like fresh fruity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm not getting a lot of blood orange. Yeah, I don't. I don't really either. But it's it's pretty sweet, nice and crisp. Kind of spicy, very much an ale. There's definitely some light citrus notes to it, but it is a saison first and foremost. It does have that farmhouse ale kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it. Uh, it's enjoyable, but it's not generally my thing. Got that see, funk I, I, that you see. Yeah, I think I'm subscribing songs. to Corey's palette a little more. Like, I really like those funky kind yeah, of... Yeah, uh, I, I dig all that weird yeah. stuff, especially when it's fruity and citrusy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I can get down with that. 
So today I am rolling with the Two Towns Cider House Fruit Seasonal Two Thorns. It's a raspberry rosé, no, raspberry rose rose cider made with raspberries and rose petals. It's the least red can and the most red. It is super red. (laughs) Got a beautiful color to it. Looks like cranberry juice. It's a 5.5% boldly crafted in Oregon. The Blood Orange Saison has IBUs of 25. 25. Okay. So not very bitter. Yeah, I can feel that. More enjoyable. Uh, because that is a cider, it won't generally have IBUs on it. Yeah, I'm not it seeing not anything. part of the International Bitter Unions for beer. Ciders are generally, I think, between 10 and 30 on IBUs, generally. So they're closer right. to the teens. It says no added sugar. I believe it. You don't need much sugar when you're adding in rose and fucking raspberry. Okay, I'm going in. It tastes just like wine. I mean, it's kind of okay. what you expect out of a cider, right? Yeah. Is it an aged cider or is it just a... Ooh, that smell is delicious. If you ever had like rose candies, add a little bit of like rose gummies, add in raspberry flavor and that's the smell. Hmm. Okay, so while it's in your mouth, very cidery juice-like and then as soon as you swallow... That aftertaste is definitely you get that wine. wine. Yeah, it looks and tastes a lot like wine and I'm digging it. I'm not a wine guy. I do not like wine, but that is delicious. I've been getting in wine and this... Oh, yeah. been getting into it. Yeah. That's a good starter if you're trying to go for It's a not wine. even a wine. This yeah. is a good starter wine because it's a cider. Right. Uh, but yeah, holy shit, that is good. That's pretty enjoyable. So, today we're talking red. We've got some red drinks. Um, I think we should start out first by quoting Mark Rosewater. As always, yeah, we want to bring that out to the beginning of the show here. Uh, hey, Mark. So, white seeks peace through structure. Blue seeks perfection through knowledge. Black seeks power through ruthlessness. Red seeks freedom through action. And green seeks acceptance through growth. So we're talking about red here. So we're looking at freedom through action. All right. So what does red actually represent in MTG? So red is based around based around these ideas. It's a very emotional color. And we divided it up into four sections. We've got act first, think second, everything burns, chaos controls us. And combat is at the core. So let's dive back into this idea of acting first and thinking second. And it's this concept of you have an emotional response to everything. You're rushing into every action. The idea is just that you want to take action now. You want to think about, you know, question later, basically. Act act first, question later. Um, And you see that in the haste keyword, the dash mechanic. Uh, You see Zergo, Bellstriker, Lightning Zerker, those types of cards where it's kind of this fleeting moment of action and then deal with the consequences later. Exactly, yeah. So the red player is the player that gives in to their impulses. They have a lack of control in, in that they react emotionally. Um, and so they, their desire outpaces their realistic goals. Yeah, red is kind of the, I want it now, regardless if I can use it. And you see that in impulsive draw mechanic, which is when you exile the top cards of your library and you're allowed to play them until end of turn. You see it in act on impulse, light up the stage, outpost siege, where you exile the top card of your library, you can play it until end of turn, but that doesn't mean you actually are able to. Yeah, these are just some of the alternate ways that red has card draw. And it's just, you draw it and you gotta play it this turn or else it's gone forever. Another thing red likes to do is avoid waiting. They just want fast games, they wanna get in and go hard. Red isn't very good at keeping extended fights going. Like, it does have a high end curve, 
uh, with like dragons and stuff. But generally speaking, it wants to just get in fast, attack, burn your opponent out. Yeah, that's where you're gonna find decks like mono red burn. Yeah, that's where you're gonna just hear those things. Low to the ground, yep. get in, get in fast. Good, good, efficient burn spells like lightning bolt, shock, uh, chain lightning. Yeah, the the OGs. And then another thing red likes to do is just attack with reckless abandon, and by this we mean just big dudes that you just want to swing, get some damage in, and then they're just out. Yeah, that kind of goes back to the dash mechanic, but then we also have cards like Spark Elemental and Petuous Devils, which have low CMC. You get it out fast. They've got Trample. Usually have Haste as well. Yeah. They probably only have like one point of toughness, something <laughs> yeah. like that. So they're going to die likely on combat. It's just a matter of getting that damage in now. Yeah, you don't really care if they die. You want them to die usually. And also Red has this attitude of like, I get what I want no matter what it costs. So they'll pay whatever to get the result that they need. They'll always risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> Which <laughs> makes so much sense why that's Corey's favorite saying. <laughs> the red player. <laughs> yeah, basically what we're trying to say is that red is willing to risk everything, literally everything, for sake of winning. They're willing to risk the game, their life total. Sometimes they're going to you know throw their lands away. Yep. And we see that in uh, the extra turn cards that red has, like Final Fortune, Last Chance, Warrior's Oath, uh, that they're going to take an extra turn. And on that turn, they're either going to win or lose. Yeah, you got to shoot your shot. Do it now or you're out. And Go sometimes it, you see like the rare card, Glorious End, just to stop someone else from winning, potentially at the cost of the game yourself. Yeah, and like Drew was saying, you have to risk your life total sometimes. And these are these are some of the weirder cards in Magic, like Form of the Dragon and Form of the Dinosaur, which they make your life total, they drop it, usually drop it down to a static number and then give you some added effects. But this is just like, this is your your strategy, your end game. You're just going all in on this, trying to win with this card. Yeah, you're willing to sacrifice your life. You're willing to sacrifice your lands. You've got Cosmic Larva. You've got uh, Devastating Summons. You don't care. As long as you can get to your opponent, anything goes. Yeah, if you end the game with 10 lands or 0 lands, as long as you win the game, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Like we said, Red is willing to literally bet their life on it. And you see cards like Alyssa Auction and Mage's Contest, where that is actually what you're doing. You are putting an auction for creatures or permanents, and you are spending your life in an auction to buy that card. So Red also kind of has this mantra that knowledge has a price. Uh, Card advantage is going to cost you. You don't just get to draw extra cards. Yeah, this isn't blue. No, it's it's not straight raw card draws. You got to do some some sacrifices for it yeah and we see that in the what we call rummage mechanic i don't think it's ever been like technically called rummage it's kind of like the it's the opposite of what the loot mechanic is that you see in blue where you kind of throw away resources in order to get better ones um it's just out with the old in with the new you have to discard a card get a better one yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) without the knowledge yeah you have to discard a card first and then you're allowed to draw cards you see that with rummaging goblins classic name and tormenting voice yeah i think the mechanic was given the nickname off of rummaging goblin so there's also one of the more famous in cards that same vein, yeah. in red is called Gamble. And this just symbolizes the idea that you you have to gamble for what you need. And it's just a tutor for any card, but you have to discard something at random. Sometimes the card that you just tutored for. <laughs> a lot of the times the card that you just <laughs> My tutored <poor> for. <laughs> mother, we yep. all convinced her at the table. <laughs> the best thing you can do right now is tutor for this card. You have six cards in hand. Put it in your She tutored for Perforos. <laughs> And I discarded purpose, <laughs> but that's red. That's red for you. Sometimes that's show business, you, you baby. Shoot your shot, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Basically, you're just willing to sacrifice the resource that you have to yeah. draw cards, right? We've got like yeah. aggressive mining, dark or oracle, where it doesn't really matter what the cost is. Again, red just it wants whatever it wants, and it's going to try and do whatever it can to get that. Yeah, you just throw anything you can just to get some more cards. Which I think Watsy has tried to <laughs> kind of give Red a little teeny bit of an edge uh, with this kind of feel in Red by giving Red the madness mechanic where if you choose to discard these cards or if you have to discard these cards, you're at least allowed to play at that turn. Yeah, uh, I think that... Like a small way to combat the negative of yeah, tossing like, your cards. As the resident madness player, it's a nice kind of like, hey, you're paying this extra cost, but you can fuel your resources or you can use your resources as a fuel for other other mechanics and having the madness mechanic where you put it into exile and then you're allowed to cast it, especially since a lot of madness cards allow you to cast it for a cheaper cost than what the normal CMC is. I think like Watsi's really trying to say, hey, we understand red isn't meant to just draw cards outright, yeah. but you can get an advantage from just discarding your cards. Yeah, instead of just being pitching stuff that you don't need right now, you can actually get some value off of that stuff. It's It's almost like red's version of cycling where you still get some use out of getting rid of that card yeah um they've also got the the famous mechanic which is discarding everything and just trying again yeah these are the wheel effects and we call that because of wheel of fortune uh they printed it into a creature called mags of the wheel and we've got cards like molten psyche and there's a lot of wheel effects but red is definitely the most prone to do it yeah, red is this is the hardest of card draw in red is just discarding your entire hand and drawing a couple cards. And it makes sense because it's seven. kind of chaotic. You got to get rid of everything you had yeah, to try. And, this, and, and red is, I think, the, the best color to take advantage of this because the CMC of their cards are generally yeah. low enough that they can yeah. dump their entire hand, use wheels to discard, quote-unquote, their hand, which is going to be zero at this point, and then draw another seven. Yeah, just blowing all your burn spells for five mana and then wheeling again to get a new regrip. Yeah. yeah. Live or die by the wheel. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, that moves us to our second section, our mantra of red, everything burns. Everything. Yeah, red doesn't want anything to slow them down. They're looking to the future, not the past. And since artifacts are relics of the past, they can go. We got Vandal Blast, Shatterstorm, and I think that red has this kind of emotional response where there is beauty in destruction. Yeah. They also sort of live by the idea that we need to be free. Um, and so not even the world can like hold us down. So this is sort of the color where you're going to find a lot of land destruction yeah i mean uh, stone rain has been printed i don't know how many times it's just like the classic destroy a uh, land in red yeah and i this is extremely frowned upon in the magic community <laughs> but it's something that og red relied on for answers and so you don't see a lot of land destruction cards anymore i think it's frowned upon in the edh community where it's very you know social and kind of casual frowned upon in most formats I, I don't know man you watch those highlander guys and like modern players it's it's i mean everybody has the mantra of like i will do anything to win this game they'll burn i think it's still frowned upon down. i think that people still look at it as just like really you're just going to stop me from being able to play the game at all like yeah everyone's going to use strip mine if they can but i think yeah. that it's generally like, not necessarily taboo, but it's just like, it seems like an underhanded trick for. Yeah, I think people. people still do it. They just don't like it when it's done to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. It is kind of fucked up, man, <laughs> but I love it. But they have so many different ways to do it. You've got epicenter, avalanche riders, stone rain. Like I said, like there's a lot of reprints that have been seen. That I think almost every single set has a red land destruction. Spell, yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're used at all, but it's 100 percent fits red. Yeah, it's kind of one of Red's way to just slow down 
your opponents if they're accelerating ahead of you? Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's a different kind of answer and way to deal with people. And then another way of dealing with people is just punishing anything that people do. And so this is cards, really messed up cards like mana barbs, <laughs> which just basically brings back mana burn. And then it also, there's cards that punish a lot of land ramp. So a lot of green players, but these are cards like Zozu, the Punisher, and Blood Moon. I think a lot of people know Blood Moon because it just yeah. shuts off a lot of decks. Yeah, if you're multicolored, read it more. But yeah, if it's <laughs> yeah, if you're playing a multicolored deck and you see Blood Moon come out, you're host a little. If bit. you're not running red, you're probably boned. Yeah. And then there's a lot of cards that punish artifacts, like we talked about earlier. But one of the newer ones is Treasure Nabber, which I love, and it just whenever you tap your Soul Ring, I'm gonna steal it. It's my soul ring now, at least for the until my turn. <laughs> I kind of yeah. like that card. I've never seen that card. Yeah, dude, it's dope, especially because it's, it's goblin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and red, like, like us, like we said, everything burns. And with that, if you have to just destroy the old world just to start a new, it, right? Like, just blow everything. We've got Jocko Hops, Decree of Annihilation, World Fire. Like, I don't care if it's your lands, if it's creatures, artifacts, everything. Burns. I wish World Fire was not banned. <laughs> well, that harkens back to like like you were saying, Drew. The way that red functions, it's so fast. If you can even out that playing field and just wipe everything out, you have a good chance of of being able to take off a little quicker than your opponents. Yeah, it's generally a bit easier for red to restart. Like as long as you haven't burned your entire hand and start top decking, then you're going to be able to continue to just pump out threats that yeah. a lot of other colors take a while to get to yeah because you're just low fast just go 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 yeah there, there's no setup in red we're not we're not <laughs> setting up our board for a strategic action we're murdering our opponent <laughs> yeah, we're, we're ready to sacrifice our board anytime <laughs> yeah. yeah and kind of in that vein we've got Corey's favorite idea when Hell it comes yeah. to red is just <laughs> chaos control <laughs> right like throw back to Sanic uh, but chaos really does reign supreme I think in red more than any other color, yep. just because it's able to take advantage of chaos a lot better. And also it just enables it so much so much more than any other oh, color. Oh, yeah. Buckle up. So chaos takes a lot of different forms, and we, we tried to divide this up as well as we could. The, the first section we kind of have is chaos can turn cowards into giants. So this is the idea that it's, it's fun, but it's also a risk. This is kind of the idea that you're bringing chaos upon yourself in order to get an, an advantage, right? The idea of turning cowards into giants is that you have 0-1 cowards, I believe, and turn them into giants, which are generally like 4, 4, 5, 5 plus. Yeah, so these are cards like Reality Scramble, and Chaos Warp sort of fits into this. It's just things you're changing smaller things that you don't really care about into bigger things, just like running them through your deck. And there's the messy chaos, which is the sh shit that I love. And these are cards like confusion in the ranks and grip of chaos, which is starts. Stupid as fuck. It just starts messing with the yeah. rules. Yeah, chaos for all. Everyone kind of just has this weird technical chaos that it's difficult to figure out. But again, red is going to be able to capitalize off it better than anyone else. Yeah, yeah it's going to be up on the screen. But I'm going to read confusion in the ranks just so that pe people in the audio version really know how <laughs> fucked up we're going here. Whenever an Arctic artifact creature or enchantment comes into play its controller chooses target permanent another player controls that shares the type with it and exchange control of those permanents uh so every time you play something you have to swap it with some someone else's permanent yeah confusion ranks is kind of one that is very epitomized in our, our play group of what chaos is because Corey played it in a nor in the wary deck yeah and we've talked about it briefly on the show but basically anytime you want a permanent you need to play two of those 
So that way you play it, it gets switched, <laughs> you play the second one, and then the one that you actually want, which is the first one you played, comes back to you. Yeah, it's another way to like create this weird math that your opponents have to go through to like figure out how do I even do what <laughs> yeah, you're just like wants if to I do. play anything, yeah. it's just gonna get taken. Yeah, it's to me, Confusion in the Ranks is very much a red counter spell and that when I play against a blue control deck, I know that I need to play two spells per turn in order to let, to beat through all of the counter spells that my opponents are gonna have. I need to be able to make a, a threat that they're gonna respond to and then also have something else that comes out that they can't answer. Yeah. And then the next kind of chaos is what we refer to as helpful chaos. So these are things like chaos warp and possibility storm and wild evocation, which you chaos warp, you get rid of something, but it can come back even worse or harmless. Possibility storms makes everybody just start going nuts. And then wild evocation just copies spells. And a lot of the spell copying spells would go into this category too, where it's just adding on to these effects. Right. And the kind of idea with Helpful Chaos is that everyone is allowed to have their things, right? Whether it's spells, permanents, whatever. But maybe not the one that you want. Or maybe not exactly as you wanted it. Or maybe I get a copy of it as well. Exactly, yeah. Just weird stuff like that. Yeah. And so the next section here, I, I put in specifically, I think, for Corey. It's just some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> so I, I used to have a Norn the Wary Chaos Commander deck, and I ran all of these cards. But these are just the the big heavy hitter cards of just basically restarting the game. These are cards like Scrambleverse and Thieves Auction and Whims of the Fates and Warp World, where you literally just shuffle the entire just game board and nobody knows what they're going to get. Sometimes you get nothing. Sometimes all your lands go away. And sometimes you give Perforos to somebody who's going to win with it on the turn. <laughs> you give it to the elf deck. Like... Who knows? It's the classic Idaho quote, hold my beer. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, like, you thought everything we were talking about before was chaotic? Yeah. Hold my beer and watch this. Oh, yeah. It's a total headache and everyone hates it, but I love it. Yeah, there's a reason why that deck ended up being dismantled. Yeah. It really was kind of frustrating, but I think that if you're able to take advantage of it, like you built that deck more as a chaos deck rather than just like taking advantage of the chaos. Yeah. And I think that had you made it more advantageous to yourself... It would have been a much stronger deck. Yeah, it was extreme budget. It was just cards that I had in bulk raids. I still nobody think you should have kept cards. it, though, just for, like, the card shop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, gets old I, it was one of the decks that I was like, hey, let's go. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely one of the decks where, like, you talk about meme decks, and that's, like, strictly a meme deck where it's just like, this is going to be fun, and we're going to talk about this later, but it's not necessarily going to be good or do anything. I was going to say, if you go play with two or three random people at a card shop, all three of those guys are like, you would not believe the fucking deck I played against <laughs> this guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly building it back, but I think I'm going to make a Rakdos command, or Ooh, tight. Rakdos uh, chaos deck. All right, to get back on track here, we've <laughs> kind of got this idea that chaos is great, but coin flips are mostly fair. And we've got fair in quotes here because there's a lot of ways that you can manipulate them. Yeah. Uh, but the idea here is that you have a 50-50 chance to get something good on these coin flip cards. You've got Fiery Gambit, Mirror March, and the idea generally is just there's a, a huge risk playing into it, but the reality is that the potential benefit is going to outweigh what that risk is. Yeah. Take damage if you lose. Get something great if you win, or yeah, or just nothing. Or, or just, yeah, exactly. just wasted a turn. Yeah, but I think coin flips are just un- when people think of chaos, they think a lot about coin flipping cards. Yeah, because you really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, the idea of it just being you, random. You is could like, get what fifty coin flips in a row and just 
totally hose everybody, or you get nothing the <laughs> yeah. whole game. And while chaos is good, and coin flips are good, chaotic coin flips are even better, <laughs> right? It's got to be. Uh, so we got planar chaos, game of chaos, things like that, where you have a lot of coin flips, or just a real kind of pain in the ass way of uh, exacerbating what annoyance the the coin flips are. Yeah, we didn't put the card in here, but there's a. a card. I've never read game of <laughs> game of chaos, but it's so <laughs> fucked up. That's brutal. I love it. There's a. A win con with coin flips, where every time, if you win enough coin flips in a row or something, I think it's like 10, ten. You just win. You just win the game automatically, and you can abuse these things. There's a lot of coin flip cards, like so cards. We've got to have a, a storm like count die and a coin. <laughs> flip die. I've got eight in a row, boys. Uh, so the last section of chaos that we have is just the pain and punishment, and these. These aren't sort of mixing up the game rules and flipping coins to do cool shit. It's just punishing things, but fairly and at random. Yeah, there's a kind of an element to chaos which harkens back to the fact that neutral chaos is even. Yeah. Right? Everyone bleeds the same, and while it's not strictly chaotic, it evens the playing field in the way that chaotic cards actually do as well. Uh, And so there's kind of this nice balance between chaos and these cards that are even punishes. So this is kind of, it leans into the idea where if you don't know who to attack, you just roll a die and then attack them. So everyone has a chance to get hurt. So these are cards like Witch Hunt and Elk and Lair. And then there's board wipes that hurt everyone, like Bear the Heavens, Devastating Dreams, Tyrant of Discord. Just really mean cards, but sometimes they won't do a lot. And sometimes they will mess everything up, but they usually mess everybody up. The last kind of theme we have here for red is just that combat is at the core. A lot of people when they think of of red and Gary's kind of harken to it when he talked about the red deck wins strategy. Yep. It's just that red wants to fight. Yep. Like red is, I think, at its strongest when it is enabling combat. It is making the decisions for when to fight, how to fight, and who fights. Yeah. Even uh, in like the big red decks and the medium red decks, like they're they're big fat fighting dragons and warriors and giants and shit that just want to bash face. Yeah. And kind of this idea is just that the strong will win and the weak will lose. And we'll see that in green on the next episode. Uh, but red has this... Red is a different way to look at it. Right. And so red sees that there's a really strong emphasis on high power, and they don't really care about toughness. We don't really care about the creatures dying. We saw that at the, at the top of the show. Um, but we see cards like Nova Chaser, Ball Lightning, Super Famous, yeah, uh, Blistering Fire Cat. We're just trying to do as much damage as possible as fast as possible. Yeah, and... Drew brought up a point earlier today that you can a good way to look at these is think of them as burn spells, mm-hmm. but on a creature. I think that's why when we talk about commander, it seems that red has fallen off as being one of the stronger colors, specifically because you have three opponents and yeah. ninety damage or one hundred twenty damage to do. Instead of back in the day, the 1v1 formats with only 20 damage, if you pulled out Blistering Fire Cat and they didn't have an answer, that's nearly half their life total. You know what I mean? That was a very strong card. So, like, (laughs) these things are extremely strong 1v1. They seem a little weaker in Commander, but I think Red has ways to capitalize on those if you can, you know, build your deck correctly. The creatures aren't made to last. They're just made to hit really, really hard. Exactly, yeah. Which makes red so scary. (laughs) Yeah, the the damage that red can produce out of nowhere is alarming. Yeah, and that sort of ties in this next thing we're going to talk about, which is fire breathing. And this idea of just pumping your guys. Yeah, we don't really care about toughness. We just want maximum power. So the classic one is Sheevan Dragon. Is that the first 
uh, card with fire breathing? Yeah, I think that Corey and I just had a discussion off the show, uh, which was that Sheevan Dragon was kind of the first creature that we saw with this fire breathing mechanic. And then following that, they made the card fire breathing, which is where we actually get the name off of it. And so fire breathing is an enchantment. It's an actual, It's actually an aura yeah. uh, that is attached to a creature, and it gives that creature to pay one red to give the creature plus one, plus zero. Oh. And so we see that and kind of renditions of that on creatures where all we care about is just that fire breathing ability where we're pumping up the power as much as we possibly can with as little as mana as possible just to really be efficient in how much damage we're just throwing at our opponents. Yeah, instead of playing a spell that turn, you're going to add five extra power to right. hopefully win the game. The yeah. important part is that you can pay more than one mana. Yeah. yeah, and it really messes up combat math as well, Yeah, which is something that Red loves to do. Yeah, so you see this a lot on dragons, and they've been slowly putting out more and more different red creatures. It's just a classic red mechanic at this point. Uh, another mechanic or sort of uh, trickery. trickery that Red kind of encompasses that we see in one of Corey's newer decks uh, is this idea of endless combat. So you've got a, a what's the dude's name? It, the Raised Boar. Ilharg the Raised Boar. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he's a real bastard. And <laughs> I, I've gotten commander damaged out more than once. Oh, I, I got him out on turn three the other oh, night when we were playing oof. and turns to not just scooped. <laughs> Because I, I played Goto, the Warlord. Oh, Goto plus and, that. And then oh. just started suiting him up. It was bad. <laughs> so red just feels most alive when we're fighting, right? Like, when, if I'm playing red, like, when I'm in the combat zone and I'm just beating face in the red zone, like, that is just when I'm having the most fun in red. So the idea is just, why stop doing that? Yeah, if I can swing out, swinging out once is great, but swinging out two or three times a turn, ooh. Yeah, and so we've got this concept... Uh, the assault effect, yeah. right? Named after relentless assault and aggravated assault. Uh, basically, it's just bonus combat. Yeah, there's a lot of different cards that do this, but they're they're just under the assault effect. So there's cards like Seize the Day and Fury of the Horde, just other cards that it doesn't matter. Discard your hand, just take more combats. Yeah, it's another thing that creates a really hectic. Uh, combat math environment for your opponent. They don't know who to block or where to block because, shit, I gotta do this again not next turn, now. Like, yeah. It's yeah, the, gonna come your, right your back. big guy that you thought was safe, he's gonna die again yeah. if you block with him. Yeah, and there's lots of ways that Corey was talking about to get more combat steps. He talked about Godot, yeah. the Warlord. Uh, you got Hellkite Charger, and you've even got like things that where it's just like, you're trying to give everything you have to help the team win. And you've got Breath of Fury in there, Combat Celebrant, which, I mean, it has the exert ability, so yeah. literally giving everything that it possibly can without sacrificing itself. flavor right there. Yeah, uh, and it's just exerting itself just to keep the fighting going. And if you thought Red wasn't all about combat, from that, we also have this idea that Red forces combat. Red really is trying to push people into it. Yeah, not just you, but everybody. So these are cards like Territorial Hellkite, Reckless Brute, Hellraiser Goblin. Just cards that literally say must attack if able. Yep. Or all creatures must attack. Yeah, it's kind of this. Holding back. Yeah, it's kind of the juggernaut idea. Yeah. Yep. Where it just it must attack each combat. And so if we go back to a lot of I had a lot of these cards in my Chaos deck, and these are cards that make everyone attack, including your opponents. Which a lot of the time backfires because people don't like swinging out. <laughs> so yeah, if they're going to swing out, they're going to kill the person that's making them swing out. Yeah, this is why Pro Strat play this after combat so you keep up your blockers. <laughs> right. So these are cards like Grand Melee, Wars Toll, Goblin Spymaster, which is a really fun one. 
Avatar of Slaughter. Part of the Avatar cycle. Very cool. Brutal. Very, very good. Um, but we have this, I think, general thought in red, which is just fighting is fun. Like combat is fun. Join us. No, seriously. You don't yeah. have a choice. It's just like, I don't care what you're doing. We're fighting. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. It's like in direct opposition of the the blue deck that wants to like set up the board and yeah. create all this trickery yeah, and shit. It's like walls. No. Yeah. Swing. And what I love about this is that when you're forcing your opponents to attack, you're giving yourself a better attack in in that because they're not going to have blockers available, right? Unless they you know just barely played something summoning sickness, they're always going to have to attack with it. And so it's kind of this high risk high reward. Like yeah, they're going to punch you in the face super hard, but hopefully you've got the creatures that have higher power that are just really going to swing back. Well, and red has a lot of that trample and haste stuff, so it can come out a little quicker than other people and potentially still deal damage even with the blocking occurring. Yeah. yeah, and this can also be a very political effect where if the person in the lead has a lot of life or they just have a really set up board presence, it's just opening them up so everyone can gang up on yep. them. It's really hard to fight against that. Yeah, and we see in... Commander, especially. Yeah. Uh, we've got the goad mechanic, which is very unusual. A weird, weird mechanic. Yeah. Uh, but we see it in Disrupt Decorum. Um, so the goad mechanic is that until your next turn, those creatures attack each combat, if able, and attack a player other than you. So red is not only manipulating the fact that there's combat, whether they want to or not, but they can't even attack you, so you aren't getting punished for it. Yeah. It's just... You're sowing it's discord. Just exactly. Safe chaos. <laughs> yeah. But this is also on another one of my favorite cards is Grenzo Havoc Razor. He's really good. Yeah. Which he can just goad people out of nowhere. Red, because it's so combat centric, also likes to punish cowardice. Um, so we've got cards like Instill Fearer, Mad Dog, Sea Red. And sometimes that's punishing your own creatures. Yeah. Right? Like Sea Red, you know, it's an aura, you put it on your creature, and if they don't attack, then you sacrifice the enchantment. But it gives your creature a buff and first strike to make sure that it can get through damage and continue to attack each time. Yeah. And these are cards, I mean, you're going to be attacking with your creatures anyway. So you're stoked to have the buff. Yeah, these are just basically extra cards with mechanics that if you don't attack, they're just going to die. And these are similar to cards that we talked about, like sacrifice at the end of, at your end step. It's just you need to attack with them every turn, basically. Yep. Yeah, very combat-centric. Uh, and along this, this general just constant theme that we're seeing in red is one of my personal favorites is the yeah. stop hitting yourself <laughs> idea, which is these threaten effects. Uh, and we call it threaten because of the OG card threaten, uh, which you gain control of target creature until end of turn, it gains haste. And so you're able to take other people's stuff and then attack them with it, which I absolutely love, right? We've got threaten, active treason, hijack. So it's not just creatures. We got artifacts and permits in there, active aggression, uh, which I think is my favorite one just because it's three and then two Phyrexian red, so you can just pay life for it, which red is all about. Oh, yeah, red uh, is good. Fuck. <laughs> and then we've got the fact that creatures can do it too. We've got Zealous Conscript, which is OG. Like, it's so good. Yeah, it's a pretty famous card. Uh, Captivating Crew in the recent sets, just very strong mechanic to take your opponent's creatures, hit them in the face with it. If you've got Sacrifice Outlets, it's even better. Yeah, this sort of leans an idea of getting everybody to attack. Like, if you're not going to attack with them, I'm going to steal them and attack with them. Like, I'll see your best stuff, I'll see your worst stuff so you can't block. Let's, let's just get it. Yeah, and if, Red, if you're going out, we're going out swinging. Hell yep. yeah. <laughs> so Red likes to do it as much damage as possible. Like we said, they like to steal everybody's creatures for the win. Uh, probably the most famous, especially in Commander, is Insurrection. Just steal the whole board and yep. swing with it. You, if you don't win with Insurrection... I You're don't know. Murdered. Yeah, we talked about it in the yeah. 2011 Commander deck list. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the Zedru deck that had Insurrection. And it's such an insanely strong win con that 
that card, I mean, it's like eight, nine bucks right now. Like it's always going to be a very strong card in Commander because one of the decks is always going to have creatures, right? Even if you're playing against like an enchantment deck and a sorcery deck, the other deck probably has loads of creatures and you're just trying to push through as much damage as possible on one turn to kill the person who has the creatures or maybe the person who doesn't. And it's a political card. It's a very strong win con. Like there's so much going on. It's very yeah, good. It's, it's hard to plan against it. Yeah. Because I mean, if even you're if, building your board and suddenly it just gets taken away and you're yeah. dead. Yeah, my even favorite. if the board is like not that full, it's still just such a huge swing in the the tempo of that game that everybody just. I mean, if you don't win with it, unfortunately, you become a target. But it's just so strong. Yes, yeah. you're usually taking at least one person out, yeah. and it's usually the threat. Yeah, and my favorite part about insurrection is that it doesn't target. Yep, right. it's just you get it. Just I'll bring it over. Control. We're, we're swinging. Yeah, and while we're trying to just punch through as much damage as possible. Uh, Corey's got on here the double damage effects, which yep. <laughs> I used to run a, a deck that was centered around Dictate of the Twin Gods. Yep, I do remember that. And that deck was so much fun just because out of nowhere, you play Dictate of the Twin Gods, cut a couple extra mana, you, lightning bolt, lightning strike, anything that you, you can just to throw out damage. Chunks at and people. all of these effects, Furnace Wrath, Gratuitous Violence, trying to make sure that all of the damage that you do is not just going to be relevant, but it's going to just make the game end. It's going to be impactful. Yeah, and yep. these are another thing that's like high risk, high reward because they usually double every source of damage. Yep. There's a couple cards that double like red sources, which you can take more advantage of. But this usually just cuts the game time in half because everybody's going. Yeah, I'm trying to like... Uh, me and my brother are trying to like coach my dad into his Mogus deck. He's got Mogus God of the Slaughter. He's trying to build a co uh, commander deck around him. The idea of racing people to the death you know what i mean like red doesn't <laughs> care if it loses life it doesn't care if it loses creatures as long as you lose life and creatures quicker than they do uh and these cards are like perfect for that yeah, yeah dictate i can deal more gods. damage so let's speed this up yeah. and i'll kill you quick yeah dictate actually has mogus on it it's dictate yep. it's slayer uh, and i, I think mogus and eros yeah. yeah those are the twin gods and i mean i love the card it's so fun yeah it also has flash so it just comes out of nowhere there's a really good story that I love to tell is our buddy, we were playing forever ago with our buddy Michael. Michael. And of course we were all really drunk and he was just, he had a double damage deck, but it was just really, really bad because it had a lot of cards that just did damage to everything and everybody. And he may have miscounted his mana and killed nobody except himself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he was trying to do the the suicide deck. Yeah, he was trying yeah. to just get everybody, but yeah, he was trying to miscounted his draw deck, his <laughs> life total, and only killed himself. Yeah, I do remember that deck because. <laughs> but how of, fucking red is that? Yeah, like, I know. I, yeah, it's super fucking metal, and I actually themed part of my Nekusar deck around that because the ultimate goal that I have with Nekusar is to make everyone die at the same time. Yep. And I haven't been able to accomplish it yet, but seeing Michael attempt that just made me like. <laughs> I want to do it. Like, I have this dream. And it's that's super fucking red to just be like, everyone dies when I say, and that time is now. The yep. best part is because it was so early in the game, too. He was just coming in so hot. but And he just had to sit out for the rest of the game. <laughs> he, he was on beer duty. I mean, to be fair, that kind of ties into our next idea, which is that red has this courage fearlessness, recklessness, whatever you want to call it. And they're trying to make sure that it's rewarded, right? You're rewarded from attacking, from being aggressive, from just throwing down damage. So we already mentioned Ilharg, the race boar. We've got Krenko, Tin Street, Kingpin. Um, these guys, They just want to attack? Yeah, so this is the newer Krenko yep. that doesn't double your goblins. He just makes goblins at the beginning of combat. And then you start swinging. 
and you get stronger, and the stronger and you, you get, the more, more goblins. goblins. Like, yeah, like it's a very, very strong card that just gets out of control very quickly. Seriously. I was gonna say it's it's bad when there's another Krenko that's worse than him, and you, and you say he's not the strongest because <laughs> yeah, he's still goddamn strong. <laughs> yeah, like the other Krenko's better, but <laughs> wow, this one gets out of control, but that one gets out of control twice as fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then also just from attacking and being aggressive, you get card advantage. We've got Itali Primal Storm, the red dinosaur. Uh, very, very strong card. Can be your commander. Like It's got a lot going for it. Yeah, she's actually a really fun creature because it's card advantage, it's attacking, and it's a little bit of chaos. Because it you're it just almost playing feels like off of card draw library, but it's not. It's like the yeah. chaotic card draw. It's exactly. Like, I'll it's draw like, your cards instead. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's exactly what I think red feels like it wants to do. Yeah. yeah. Not exactly what the player wants to do, but what red yeah, as a theme wants you to just, do. You don't know what you're going to get. You're just going to swing and get some cards and yeah, hopefully you can play them. <laughs> and red has this like hint of recursion. Like, there's not a lot of it, but generally it's going to be around instants and sorceries. Yeah. Um, we've got Past and Flames here, and Past and Flames is just a phenomenal card. It, oh, yeah. It's, it's usually a game finisher. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Ramp off of uh, Captain Lannery Storm, where, again, being aggressive is going to be Almost a win con because you start to generate mana, which just ramps you into better, bigger spells, and it gets out of control very quickly. So obviously there's a couple other ramp effects in red, like Seeding Song, which is a ritual, and Skirk Prospector, which is a goblin ramp card. But Captain Lannery Storm we put on here because she's combat ramp, which I think is the most kind of red ramp. Yeah, I think it's very thematic in red, but also it's just thematic to the pirates that just they always want to attack like that the raid mechanic yeah, is just, just so essential to the pirates booty. and so you have combat tricks flash creatures etc that she's going to enable just because she's generating you more mana than what the opponent's going to expect yeah and ramp is definitely not one of red's strong suits so you gotta kind of run what you got you gotta get there however it works and sometimes just punch him in the face a few times and get your ramp yep so i just stole a little taste of uh drew's rogue double chocolate stout it's too good. <laughs> it is very good. I, I think this is probably the biggest bomber that I've ever gone through as fast. Like, yeah, I, it's it's definitely way easier to drink some of the stats we've had. What percent? We've had a lot of really good stats. Nine percent. Damn. It's a full pint. Literally, yep. just it's like pint nine. Eating some chocolate. I think there's a pint six. No, pint nine point four. Pint nine. Yep. Pint nine point four. It's a big old boy, is what it is. Yeah, it's definitely a good sized beer, but it's definitely delicious. I love. I mean, I love chocolate, period. And I prefer bitter, kind of semi-sweet style chocolate than I do just like normal milk chocolate bullshit. So this is right up my alley. I absolutely love it. Uh, the chocolate is first and foremost what you taste. Uh, it's got a nice bitterness to it. Probably a little more than what you're generally used to, right, Garyan? Uh 60 IBUs is kind of up there. Yeah, it's Honestly, it's weird because this is a soft 60 to me because it doesn't feel as bitter as some of the other stouts we've had. Oh, like yeah. the first, sure. it hits you with the chocolate, and then immediately after that, if you're a dark beer drinker, it's malt, uh, which is bitter, but not. it's not sharp. You know what I mean? It's like a really palatable, chocolatey hint of coffee bitter. Yeah, and it has a, a nice finish to it that IPAs are generally known for, where that bitterness kind of lingers. But again, it's this kind of like roasted coffee, dark chocolate bitterness yeah, to it that's very smooth and just kind of settles down really nicely. Yeah, like it's not the, I was it. just chewing on a tree bitter. It's, I was just eating a bar of chocolate bitter. <laughs> yeah. Which is or, delightful. Yeah. And then, Gary, you were drinking a, I mean, it's a Saison. Like, I was going to say it's a funky Saison, but it's it's just it's, a Saison. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a nice farmhouse ale. 
Yep, it was the Upslope Brewing Company Blood Orange Saison. It's an ale brewed with blood oranges and spice. And as I drink it, um, the spice came out a little more. Uh, it says right on the back of the can, it's got pink peppercorns. I, I never uh, detected that with my I barely even palette. got the grapefruit, let alone some peppercorns. Grapefruit? Yeah, it, you mean blood orange? Blood orange. My bad. Blood orange. Just yeah. re- redo that one, sorry. I mean, that shows you how little I got it. I didn't even remember what the flavor was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really super blood orangey either. I mean, there was like an acidic sweetness to it that I could taste like just on that first taste that I had. And the smell is just, I mean, the smell just takes over with the Saison. It is that funky, fresh mm. farmhouse ale. Pretty weedy, uh, not in the sense of like a super bland American wheat beer, but you can tell kind of that the base is not a bitter malt. You know what I mean? There's no roasting involved. Um, but it's just overall, I thought it was a, a really spunky, funky beer. I liked it. Yep, yeah, and I had the Two Towns Cider House Two Thorns, which is a raspberry rose cider. And we said it tasted just like wine. Turns out it tasted just like wine mm-hmm. the whole way through. Yeah, the <laughs> the initial taste on it was very much a cider. You know, you you taste like I said to me, it tasted like those weird rose candies, those rose gummies, and then the raspberry is kind of like a secondary taste on it. Uh, very fruity sweetness to it, not like a a sugary sweetness. It's like definitely a fruit sweetness to it, and then the the finish on it is just wine. It's weird, but. I not, loved it. it yeah, not so unenjoyable. Yeah. It has an in-mouth and then a swallow. So while it's still in your mouth, it's very cidery. And then as soon as you swallow, it's got that back end of wine. For a, for a guy who's not a wine guy, it was delicious. I can't really disagree with you there. Yeah, I was just... Uh, I don't know. I It's between the, the chocolate and the this one. Which one I like more. Uh, yeah, I will have to... my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to say that I agree that those are the top two beers of the show. The Saison, I've just never going to be like that's my favorite beer of the show i think just because saisons aren't my my jam yeah but i'll drink them i like really sour saisons mm-hmm. but that one just i don't know didn't really have a lot going for it it was just it was okay it was good yeah it was okay it wasn't anything crazy it's a little funky yeah so all right let's get back to red here we're talking about game mechanics next i mean red is kind of simple right we're talking about the creatures first uh we've got goblins dragons phoenixes we got giants minotaurs Viashino. Viashino. <laughs> Viashino. They're an old, old. Yeah, they're like lizard people. There's barbarians, devils, gremlins. And of course, manticores, which is a more recent thing to, to read. Yeah. The classic kobolds. Kobolds oh, yeah. of Care Keep, right? Yeah. That's my jam. Uh, ones. And we got some warriors splashed in there. Uh, we've got some very, very red mechanics here. Yes. The it, most red. Yeah. Like these are things like haste, yeah. which is. Embodies red so well. First strike and double strike. Yeah. And yeah, red is a lot of just swing. Just get in. Yep. Not a lot of protection kind of mechanics. Yeah, there's menace in there, trample. Um, and of course, we got the fire breathing yeah, mechanic we that we talked breathing. about. And then more, less keywords, more card mechanics. We've got things like direct damage and land destruction and the the threaten and theft effects and then the extra attack steps and the occasional extra turn yeah yep the mana ramp and the mana fixing it relies heavily on artifacts um red is not necessarily a ramp color but it does have some nice instants and sorceries that will get you there yeah Yeah. and and that certainly embodies red's personality of i don't want to set things up i just want it now 
Let's just let's just do it. So we've got Desperate Ritual, Seething Song, Skirk Prospector. Um, they tend to be, you know, a, a lower CMC curve. Um, and so in theory, it's not needed as much. Yeah, just one or two extra mana might be just enough to just get you through. Yeah, putting a, a dragon out two turns early is going to be a lot more important than having that two extra mana every single turn. Yeah. So another thing that red also struggles with is card draw and this by this we mean hard card draw just draw 10 cards boom done you have to you have to really work for it so you have to use things like the rummage mechanic which is where you discard first and then draw a card impulsive draw mechanic which is you exile it usually until end of turn and so you have to play it that turn or else it's gone you hope that you can cast it and then the most famous ones are the wheel effects so these are wheel of fortune stuff like dragon mage Maggots of the wheel, stuff like that. Yep. And in theory, there's really easy ways to exploit those cards. But if you think about them as just a mechanic in themselves, things like Wheel of Fortune is the idea of giving up, like we said before, all of your resources in order to try and get something better. It's right. literally rummaging your hand away and yeah. drawing a whole new one. Yeah, hoping to get something better than yeah, what you yeah, had. But yeah. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, you got to risk it. Yeah, red has very direct... Uh, removal, right? We've got burn spells and just direct damage, lightning bolt. Just, I think the classic one. Yep. Your one mana, three damage to any target. Very strong, very OP. good. Um, we've got artifact destruction and vandal blast and a lot, of, storm, yeah, yeah. a lot of ways to spread out the artifact destruction. Um, and we've got land destruction in here, impending disaster, stone rain, etc. Like there's a lot of, of ways to do these things and red is very good at, at replicating them. Impending disaster. I just read it. Bugs. I was like, God damn. <laughs> Makes everybody go, no, I don't want to do anything. God bless you. We've also got some board wipes in red. Um, a lot of them are like direct damage board wipes. So it's just direct damage spells that goes across the board. Uh, we've got things like Blasphemous Act. Um, you mentioned earlier Shatterstorm for artifacts, Epicenter for lands. Um, and then there's just <laughs> fuck it all. And we've got Obliterate, which destroys all three of them. So another thing Red likes to use are a lot of instant sorceries. And this ties into when it's played with blue and is it colors. And in, red instant sorceries are a lot different than blue or, for that matter, any other color instant sorceries. So like Drew was saying, there's a lot of burn spells, just direct damage. There's a lot of weird stuff that copies effects. Like fork? Yep, forks is one. Reverberate. And then we mentioned a lot of them earlier, but these there's extra attack, instant sorceries, the occasional extra turns. Yeah, just... And then, of course, Corey's favorite, the chaotic or just random outcome effects like Scrambleverse. Yeah, and you could almost consider these board wipes because they just change everything, mm-hmm. but they're just best left under the chaos <laughs> umbrella. Um, red's also a really good color for token generation, mostly under goblins, dragons, and elementals. Yeah, when it paired with white, generally it's going to be soldiers. Yeah. Like, they have different ways of doing it, but goblins are going to be your central token from red. You're going to yeah. get those occasional dragons, and then elementals when it comes to planeswalkers, I think, is very, very common. Yeah, a lot of Chandra's make them. Yeah. yeah, I think if you look at, like, all the colors, a lot of people think of white and green for tokens. Um, but then <laughs> the word goblin comes up and you go, oh, yeah, <laughs> red does that yeah. too. Each color kind of has their token that they're really yeah. good at making. And goblins is the red one. Yep. Yeah. And like we said, we got planeswalkers, of course, which falls under our umbrella of that which encapsulates it all. We've got Koth of the Hammer, which cares about mountains and land destruction, yep. things like that. <laughs> uh, we've got Chandra, 
Torch of Defiance, who she's, is just... She's the burn, the burn lady. Yeah, she's very, very good. She's one of the key four ability planeswalkers. Uh, those aren't very common, but when they're good, they're insane. Yeah, I'm just going to read her real quick. So she's Sandra, Sandra, Torch of Defiance, two red, red for a four loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, exile top card of your library. You may cast a card. If you don't, Chandra of Defiance deals two damage to each opponent. So we've got direct damage and impulse and draw. draw. Another plus one is add two red to your mana pool. So that's some ramp. And then minus three deals four damage to target creature. More direct damage in there. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to target creature or player. And often that cares more about instant sorceries than other spells. Yeah, so yep. she's, she just does a little bit of everything except for land destruction and chaos, but I don't think there's a chaos planeswalker. Not really, no. But yet. We also have a kind of sub-theme in red, which is that red sometimes cares about artifacts. And that's not very common, but we see Doretti scraps Savant and like he brings it home hard. Yeah, he's a heavy hitter. Red is the one of the best at destroying artifacts and also the best at just recurring them and getting the most out of them. But it's recycling, basically. And Doretti does that very, very well. Everyone should recycle. Yeah. Doretti is recycle. a leader in the community. <laughs> we've also got a couple of cards that aren't planeswalkers, but um, the command cycle. So we've got incendiary command for red um, and fiery confluence. These are cards that don't fall under the planeswalker category, but also just sort of encapsulate everything that red wants to do and cares about. Yeah. And the, the red ones aren't nearly as good as the other ones just because um, they're limited at least in EDH, for how much impact yeah. they have. Unfortunately, red is so focused on direct damage that it makes it very hard for red to compete in a four-player game, um, which is why you find a, a very seldom mono-red decks. A lot of times they're sort of they, melded into some other colors that can help support them. Yeah, they drift away from burn usually in Lymore yeah. and other things. But red just does such a good job of its red things that yeah. uh, <laughs> you, you can't help but just sit in awe in the damage <laughs> yeah i think um, that i think that it'd be difficult to argue against this next thing i'm going to say which is that mono red is going to be good in basically every format it's never going to be one of the weaker ones it'll always be either middle to high strength and i mean literally every format can use a mono red deck to effectiveness yeah whether that's edh modern standard there's always going to be an rdw deck red deck wins yeah and it's going to be decent and you always have to prepare for that in your meta. Yeah, it's always going to work. It's just going to sometimes go about things in a different way. Yeah, and I think that it's one of the deck archetypes that is really good at balancing a meta because if you have like heavy control or slow decks, then RDW comes out and just swings so fast that it's just going to dominate. Yeah, it's just going to up the tempo of your games. I think that's why red, people use like a, a mono red, uh, red beat deck, red wins, does so well in, like you said, in every format because it's, it's so unique and it's so hard to combat. It just, it does what it does. And if you can't keep up, you yeah. get murdered. One of the best things to fight mono red is with more mono red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A fast deck kind of has to be combated by. If you can deck. only have so many counter spells in your hand. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you have, you know, six, one drop, two twos, like that's starts to become a house very quickly. Yeah. That yeah. Just, it's, it's a clock that you have to answer somehow. And sometimes, you know, a one mana, Deal two damage is exactly what you need. Good old shot. Yeah. I think before we reiterate the Mark Rosewater quote, um, I, I think for me, especially when I'm playing against red or playing with red, what I what I 
think of as like the red um, staple or the red like banner is fast, right? It does all these things. It does burn. It does uh, some tokens. It does all these things, but it does it quickly. Red does not want to last to turn 10, 15. Red wants to kill you now. Um, so if you're playing against mono red, just know where your clock sends. Try and drag it out. Yeah. yeah. For me, like mono red is one of my go-tos in like draft environments just because I know it's going to be reliable. I know it's just, I mean, I don't know if I've played in a format where mono red doesn't work. Like if I can draft mono red, one, it helps my mana base. I run 16, 15 lands and I just <laughs> yeah. go to town. I just go as fast as possible yep. and it's, it's effective. And I can't really say that I'm able to do that with any other color. Nope. Yeah, like I love direct damage, and I've made three mono red EDH decks at this point. So I'm obviously into red. That's the only monocolor decks I've made. And just making them has made me appreciate exactly what red does a lot more and what all the other colors do. Yeah, before we started this episode, I, t- I told you guys like red's my least favorite <laughs> color. And I think that's to splash as a, a secondary or third color. Um, but yeah, like you said, mono red, I feel like is just so linear and so aggressive yeah. that it, you can't help but just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Mono red legitimately is just a beast in its own. And if you don't think about it, then it's going to sneak up on you out of nowhere and it is going to kill you faster than you even realize you could be dying. Yeah. And I think one thing that we've talked about before is when new people start magic, I think red is the easiest color to jump on because it's just go yeah red i think red and green are definitely the the go-tos for and red because of its simplicity and because it's so straightforward and just always be dealing damage to your opponent yeah is that i think people are able to pick up on it very quickly combat is such a heavy focus yes fight 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 go go go. yeah well that is our take on what red is we've got a very simple summary here on the kind of the lore and the mechanics behind red um but before we finish here i just want to read mark rosewater quote again from his 2014 Blagatog, we have white seeks peace through structure, blue seeks perfection through knowledge, black seeks power through ruthlessness, red seeks freedom through action, and green seeks acceptance through growth. So on our next episode, we're talking about green, and we're going to look at acceptance and growth. As always, we want to make sure that you guys are being responsible. Don't drink and drive. If you're underage, you're not supposed to be drinking. Don't do it. Don't uh, do it. We just want to make sure you guys are safe out there. We want to make sure that you guys are having fun and doing it responsibly. Uh, Really, like, if you're drinking along with us, be safe out there. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Untap Up, Keep Drink. And as we said at the top of the show, uh, you should check out Drew's Brews. It's going to be on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're going to be showing off the beers that we've been drinking off the show. We don't have enough time to cover every single beer that we have. It's too much good beer. Yeah, there's a lot out there. The craft brewing scene is just exploding, and we couldn't be more happy to enjoy it. Um, so check us out on Instagram at Untap Up, Keep Drink, uh, on Twitter at UUD Podcast, Facebook at UUD Podcast. Make sure that you're following us to stay up to date with what's going on. Yeah, that being said, the fact that we're going through all these beers, we're always up for suggestions. If you've got local beers that you want to, you know, peep us into so we can get some some ideas for new episodes. Yeah, we're we're always in this new situation. Always looking. And you guys, the community, is just the feedback that we've gotten, even just so far. Yeah. It's just been so great. So thank you guys for tuning in. Listen to us. As always, have fun, but not too much. <laughs> <laughs>